Welcome to another episode of the NPCs Discuss, where we talk about the video game industry, events, history, controversies, and more. On today's episode, while PC gaming is not new, its popularity has increased greatly in the last two decades. The barriers for those wanting to purchase or even build their own gaming PC have been torn down, and outside of current component prices is a much simpler task to accomplish nowadays. For those who prefer to play PC games, comes the hope to take those games on the go without having to either pack up a whole desktop or spend more money on a dedicated gaming laptop. Device makers now see the opportunity to launch portable products that give players the freedom to play PC games without the burdens previously listed. But what does that mean for PC gaming going forward? That's what we talk about in today's episode, PC gaming on the go. We'll be right back after a message from our sponsor, Anchor.fm. And we're back. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of the NPCs Discuss. My name is Travis Sherman, and of course, as always, I am joined by Kyle in, uh, eh, Kyle Inman. I almost forgot your last wow. name there for a second or butchered it completely. Sorry, Kyle. Wow. Well, hello. I'm here. Hello. Kyle Inman. Yeah. I don't know what happened. Just my... It's like my my jaw and my tongue kind of like locked themselves up together, and I couldn't bleh, just say it. Ne- next know. time, just roll with it. Kyle in the dead. Yeah, just be like, Well, this week's topic, whatever. <laughs> sure, why not? This week's topic, again, PC gaming on the go. Of course, a lot of the things we've been seeing in the news as of late have been the announcements from different hardware manufacturers, different game companies especially more recently, announcing their own portable PC gaming devices. One of the more interesting, not necessarily untapped markets, but one of the more interesting takes on the market itself, given the success of the Nintendo Switch. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that then, Kyle. Uh, Starting right off into it necessarily, like, you know, kind of jumping into a lot of it. So I shared with you some links with some statistics uh, more than anything right now. Um, one of these statistics here from, I believe this is from 2017. So, of course, we're talking about four years. Mm-hmm. Uh, this comes from WEPC.com in their PC Gaming Statistics 2021. Uh, but, of course, this goes back to 2017. Uh, in the form factor market share, PC games still only account for 24% of total global gaming revenue distribution with console gaming coming or console games, yeah, excuse me, coming in at 25% and mobile games coming in at even above that at 51%. On top of that alone, of course, in 2020, uh, Steam so far, at least with peak concurrent users, of course, given 2020 with the global pandemic and a lot of people stuck at home. Uh, concurrent users registered in 2020 around about 20.31 million. So the PC gaming distribution part of it is maybe not necessarily that big when it comes to making money, but there are a lot of people playing PC games, at least on Steam itself. Yeah. So, um, I, you know, I, you figure that that's got to test for, I'd say at least on and maybe I'm shooting on the high end 85% of the market cuz most people that e- even if they have like a good old games account or like an epic games account they're still probably going to have a steam account I would think so I think there was some steam cross uh cross account generation that needed to be done mm-hmm. for I think a few other games in the past especially with the partnership between Sony and Valve with the PlayStation 3 and doing that sign-in as it related to, what was it? Was it Portal 2? Probably. I I never played Portal 2 on uh, PlayStation, so. Hmm. But that that Yeah, and I didn't either, but that's what, yeah, because I think it related to Gabe Newell specifically because he was on stage during their E3 presentation around that point in time when the game came out. Mm -hmm. But even so, with that, small of distribution anyway, at least in regards to the actual revenue part itself. Uh, this one here comes from uh, tech jur- or what is it? Techjury.net uh, as sourced from uh, statist- 
what is it? Statista, I think is the name of that one. Um, Free-to-play PC game revenue is expected to grow to $23.1 billion this year. Free-to-play PC games. Now, which games immediately come to your like come to mind with you, Kyle, when you're thinking about free-to-play PC games? Uh shoot. Uh of course, count the fact Counter-Strike, that you hesitated scares me. Yeah, there's so many. That's the problem, and there there's getting to be a lot of popular ones. I mean, you you go back to even like the core ones, Counter Strike, League of Legends, and then you can branch off to like Valorant and you know Do- Dota. I, I actually was one of the original ones, and then League of Legends branching off. You know, with the uh, Valorant and. You know, you've got Fortnite, um, and then you have so many games that offer, like, free game weekends, too. That's also very true. So. That's also very true. And then here's another statistic that might help kind of at least even outside of the free-to-play part there is this one as a source directly from uh, GDC, uh, Games Developer Conference, of course, uh, State of the Game Industry. 47% of game developers sell their games on Steam. I think that's actually a pretty decent-sized number where you have a lot of developers who are actually putting stuff up there. This isn't just your AAA developers. I think Steam is actually probably one of the bigger hubs for indie games out there. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, definitely. Definitely. At least on the PC front, of course, obviously, because we don't have really anything else, you know, on that front. But... I mean, those are just a couple statistics there, of course, and and these all do roll into what our topic is about is is in regards to portable or PC gaming on the go. So, well, and over the last couple, well, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, ahead, before I start. Yeah, before you you go too too far into it, I wanted to go back to that WEP uh, or the the WePC statistics. Ah, Okay, where it did show that you know the mobile games were accounted for 51% of the market, you know? So yeah, that, that is a lot of cell phone. That's a lot of tablets too. And you got to think what, what's usually the first thing parents put in their kids' hands anymore, as far as like just game stuff, tablets. So, I mean, I, I, I can't tell you how often I'm even, you know, walking around in public and I see like three-year-old kids they're playing even just educational games on on a cell phone or on a tablet. You know, it's their parents, but still, it, they're gaming on it. True, and it's the same. Even not necessarily for the younger kids. I'm I'm a parent. Mm-hmm. You know, I have three kids. Um, my youngest one on a tablet playing educational games as well. But even my middle child, eleven years mm-hmm. old playing free-to-play games right there on their phone. And that's more so specifically like Pokemon Go. But even so, they look more towards the free-to-play stuff anyway, at least while we're out and about, versus when we're at home, it's your more mainstream uh, titles. Right. Your AAA stuff, uh, even Overwatch. um, That's really the name one. They've just recently started Skyrim, you know, as another one. Mm Uh, Kerbal Space Program is something they're getting into. You know, these aren't necessarily like free-to-play ones per se, but when they're home, that's something that they can do. While they're out and about, they don't have the ability to do anything like that. And as a parent, I can't justify buying my child a gaming laptop that could be running anywhere between, let's say, $800 to $2,500 for one of these that has like the most recent Intel mobile processor or right. AMD Ryzen mobile processor with an RTX 3080 shoved in the thing. I can't justify that as a parent to buy something like that for my child. But e- even outside of just parents itself, even as a normal productive member of society, as an, as an adult who can go and spend adult money, mm-hmm. a lot of that stuff seems to be cost prohibitive in some form or another. Do I want to take my PC gaming with me? Oh, absolutely, I'd love to. Are there some ways to kind of get around that and, you know, do some things there that don't really require me to have another PC with me? Potentially, but I'm more comfortable playing PC games when I'm here at home. However, there are some that when I'm on the go would be nice to be able to continue on. And that's kind of where we get into the meat of this topic because 
first and foremost, we are really starting to get into a revolution with portable PC gaming. Mm -hmm. And we can thank a lot of that. And I'm sure you'll agree, Kyle. I'm sure the audience will agree too. The Switch. The Nintendo Switch really drove a lot of that idea about how gaming can be handled in the portable sense instead of divesting your your console environment where it's consoles versus PCs. Really, Nintendo has kind of changed things around in their own sense with the hybrid console where it's something that docks in and you can get a full 1080p experience when it's plugged in to the dock. Mm -hmm. And then you can have a 720p experience on the go playing the exact same game. The PC market is starting to recognize and has over the last few years that this is the way potentially to go because it means that they can continue having people play their games. And for anything that's free to play, especially if you look at a lot of the free to play, just your standard mobile games that are on your phones and tablets, like you said, Mm -hmm. that means that's that's more revenue potentially coming their way. So with that. We had it kind of – we didn't mention it necessarily in the intro there, of course. I did talk about it coming off the commercial break there at the start. Um, But we do have a few devices that have come out that have really kind of piqued the interest of things to see exactly where they're going to go. Of course, longtime portable computer manufacturer GPD Mm -hmm. has been known for uh, making these portable – Handheld computers, no bigger than maybe eight inches in size, at least for the screen, maybe even going down to seven inches, but that have full keyboards on them. You know, you'd be using your thumbs for them, but they also have dedicated gaming controls built into them and are running a full version of Windows. Oh, yeah. And they're not the only ones now, though. But you you think about it, too, though. Switch isn't the first company that's done this. Actually, I think GPD might have been the first one that, that had a full working one that ran windows and the 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 first version did not run the greatest but it worked right so and i'm not saying that i'm not saying that nintendo was the first one right, to do this either but, I, what i'm getting yeah. at is that the popularity of the switch and seeing how many people were actively like taking them with instead of that leaving them as a docked console oh, fully as, instead of taking them out of handheld and leaving them really open up the eyes to see hey this is something we can potentially do. Right. You know, or at least do better than we had in the past. I wasn't saying anything there about GPD not being the first. It was just using the Switch as kind of the the example. Yeah, no. And and I'm I'm just saying though too though w- with that since the the Switch wasn't necessarily the first, they are the ones that popularized it. They they're the ones that um because of other companies not necessarily gpd um but like game vice you think about the the problems they've had with game vice and you know being accused that they stole game vice's idea for having a a tablet style uh thing with two controllers on the side when it was literally just for your your home tablet or your phone but you know they they tried to use that as a concept i think it also drove the market for things like GPD uh, to continue to produce more units to, to produce better and improved units. And then, you know, also for the advent of like the, the, when we saw the proof of concept, the, of the, you, the uh, Alienware UFO. And I want to say there's one other company that, that does a really nice handheld full windows PC now as well. Um, I don't know if theirs has a keyboard, but same concept. And I, I think that because Nintendo became under fire from Game Vice, it also helped those markets with those computers as well. I would think so. The list I have here outside of like the Steam Deck and the GPD Win. Of course, uh, Aya Neo That's the one. is another one. That's one of it's, the big ones I'm thinking of. According to this article from PC Gamer, talking about Steam Deck alternatives, because you and I got into a discussion about this at one point in time. I think it was in the news live stream mm-hmm. back on Friday the 13th, or not Friday the 13th, but Saturday the 14th, excuse me. Um, you know, we were kind of talking about the handhelds and stuff. 
But the uh, Aya Neo, according to this article from PC Gamer, was marketed as the first world's first seven nanometer handheld gaming device. It went on sale in March and came with a Zen 2 AMD Ryzen processor. Uh, came with um, came with uh, let's see a Ryzen 5 4500U APU with 512 either 512 gigs or one terabyte of storage, along with Oh, what is that here? Uh, 720p video. So it's not necessarily one that's going to play a lot of games there, especially for like the, like at least well Mm -hmm. in regards for the quality of the screen in that too. Yeah, it's actually kind of rated down here because it's even saying something like um, Cyberpunk 2077 at lowest settings on the 720p was running at 20 frames per second. Oh, wow. Right. So... I, I kind of want to look, though, talking about some of this portable stuff anyway, though, is, I guess, first and foremost, of course, is, you know, we mentioned the Switch. We mentioned the hardware and the way that looks. And if you notice, the way the competition's going is that they are basically making Switch clones. Yeah. In, in one form or another. Like, you like you know, you said the Alienware UFO concept mm-hmm. at CES 2020. Um the GPD win, its most recent one, actually, the GPD, what is it, win three, has a keyboard underneath a slide-up screen, and then when that screen is closed and you've got the controls on the side, it kind of looks like the Switch. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you've got most recently, which I'm sure that once pre-orders you know, are going to be a little bit more closer to truly being available, is the Steam Deck, the most recently announced one. And it's curious to see the form factor being, you know, of that similar to the Switch itself, that all of these are Switch clones, but just essentially running that they're they're PCs. I mean, what do you think about that? Did the Switch hit the nail on the head for the right size and ergonomics on these things here? Is there something that they might have missed out on by them cloning it? What do you think? I think it's the same thing that happened with VR. Um, Someone got the concept just right, especially like with... uh... I, I'm I'm specifically thinking the uh, Facebook uh, Oculus Go. When they got the concept for that right, and and the way the headset was shaped, it it, it just it hit it off with so many different headsets. When you think about it, yeah. So I why not capitalize that, off of a good it. idea? Like, why not put your own spin on it? I mean, that's what people have done for years anyway. So. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. That's, no, that's that's very true. Yeah, why 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 redo something if it I mean, works, you think you know? about it, for 25 years, if you bought a third-party controller for any game system that was just a standard third-party controller and it had to have a generic look, what did it look like? Look like a PS2 controller. It did, or, or even on top of that, it had some sort of translucent plastic in in the different colors, right? Like the Mad Cats controllers, just all seemed to be that way. Yeah. Well, and you know, maybe part of that was you know cost of manufacturing, uh, because they they could get the parts at a discount for someone that manufactured parts for that uh, the the company that previously did it, but. You know, mm-hmm. maybe part of that also is, you know, it's a good idea. It's what sells, you know, it, it's what people are familiar with. So mm-hmm. run with it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I wanted to ask about form factor, though, specifically, because it really is that case is that, you know, the switch did kind of set the precedent mm-hmm. for what we are seeing now in what I'm considering the mobile PC space. There's nothing wrong necessarily with a good gaming laptop, but what we're seeing right now is the the cost barrier, the the cost entry or, or the entry cost barrier, excuse me, to be able to actually get something like that. And I think you're now seeing, you know, like the Steam Deck base price was what, 379, 399? I think it was yeah, something like that. It was three yeah, right around 399. And the top model was like what, six what six fifty nine? I think yeah, not even six forty nine or six. It was sub seven hundred. Yeah. yeah, but even so, you know that right there is something that, depending of course on the internals and such anyway too, which there haven't been any proper benchmarks. 
you know, that's kind of a sweet spot to kind of hit that interesting, I guess, middle ground on being able to take PC games with you. Um, and maybe that... I mean, what do, what do you think on that, though? Maybe that's why Game Vice went after Nintendo, is because they knew they hit the nail on the head with their, their idea, and Game Vice didn't really have the concept together. They didn't have their patents together. Maybe they had a similar idea, but they they knew people were going to run with this idea, you know? I guess so. It's very possible, I think, you know, that that could really be the case with it. I just... I don't know. I'm just kind of hung up on it. I'd have to read up more on it, I guess, to actually see what their what their ideas were like versus what we actually saw come out in the Switch and everything else. But focusing back, of Mm -hmm. course, on the hardware that we're seeing coming out right now, um, this is where we start to kind of get into an interesting area, of course, on hardware with PC gaming. Mm -hmm. For you and I, um, we are PC builders. You most recently just built your PC only within the last year. My PC has been put together for a couple years with some different parts put in since I've built it. I've helped my kids build their own PCs as well, too, right. from leftover parts and some new parts. Uh, one of the things, of course, that we see with laptops is that maybe some of the parts in there are replaceable in just the general user sense, adding more RAM, upgrading your storage, mm-hmm. um, a little bit of expansion here and there, not really a lot, but mostly locked down at least. But now you're getting into these situations with some portable PC devices, PC gaming devices, looking at some of the ones that we've talked about that don't have any sort of upgrade path, any sort of upgrade ability. And I wonder kind of going into this where things might sit for PC gaming, you know, if since these are kind of like what I would consider almost like your first gen kind of devices Mm -hmm. to really take it a, a bit more serious, um, is about kind of the path forward from this. Does it mean that we're going to get a Steam Deck 2 in 2023, you know, that's going to end up having the better hardware? And that has like a port or a bay something? for an M.2 for you to install your own, just like the PS5, you know, mimics maybe some of that hardware? Yeah, or do they change out to some sort of mobile processor that maybe isn't soldered to the board or something that might be easier to remove and allow you to reuse the same board, but give yourself a performance boost, you know, by using that new chip instead. Just go completely You know, it's, it's one of those things. Well, yeah, God, <laughs> that's be been, awesome. that has been a concept. That has been a concept talked about for a long time and nobody has been able to get it right. Right. Not yet. Yeah, unfortunately. But even so. I, I, what do you think that's actually going to do here for those who are uh, PC gamers, especially, is that if you are kind of locked into these few choices of of handheld and you know that your path for upgrading on those devices themselves could potentially be limited, do you see your hardcore enthusiast like uh, PC folks going and picking up stuff like this? to be able to satiate their need to be able to take PC gaming on the go, or do they opt for something that gives them that expandability for the future, uh, even though it may cost more? I mean, what do you think about that? I, I feel like I, I still see PC gamers going out and picking them up uh, just to be able to play their PC games on the go, to be able to you know download their, their save files that you know Steam has or that you've synced with the Steam servers and and mm-hmm. be able to continue your game that you were just playing at the house, you know, even if you're 300 miles away from your home and don't have a laptop that could run it, you know, but you've you've got your Steam Deck. I I, I see them doing actually really well with the Steam Deck, and uh, with the as far as the price point goes and the um, I don't know accessibility to upgrade. I think. Part of that is cost. Uh, you got to think about the cost of the engineering just to be able to say, hey, you're going to be able to upgrade those parts like you were talking about with modular devices. You know, where mm-hmm. where are are the components going to be in six months, in eight months, in, in 12 months? Uh, especially here recently with uh, AMD r- rolling out these paper release video cards. Um, 
At least that's what it has seemed like recently. But I I don't know. I I feel like them making it more solid unit like or a a more solid unit like they have, um, where you're they do limit you to what you can upgrade. Maybe, um, yeah, we will see probably a Steam Deck with the ability to upgrade maybe RAM and maybe the hard drive, but I, I don't see it going past that type thing. Um, just in order to like, maybe if they find a way to just keep a game open, but like cached on the Ram, you know, almost like a uh, save state works or something. I mean, there's, there's always something like that. That's not wrong. There is a choice there, but you are really right. In the fact that but it, I, the R&D costs yeah. that associate with actually setting up a device for some sort of upgrade path obviously will factor into the total cost of the machine. Mm-hmm. I mean, le- like, let's talk about what we did in uh, the last news live stream is that the GPDs themselves do have upgrade options built into them, not necessarily on the processor mm-hmm. front, but they do have open slots for M.2 for more RAM, you know, obviously, of course, they say this is the type of RAM you can use. These are the type of M.2s you can use. What's their most expensive model is also like $1,200. Right, and that one on Indiegogo that they've got going right now was what, just under a grand? Yeah, and that that one's actually more like their classic GPD models where it was almost like a laptop rather than uh, having that slide-out keyboard or slide-up screen. I don't know how you want to view it, but... You know, it had this sliding screen. So, correct, but it does have those gaming controls: the analog sticks, the directional pad, right? Uh, yeah, your your face that. buttons and that. It has all of that built in, and it is, of course, underneath the screen once you actually fold the thing open. So, it does have that, but it offers kind of that unique expansion to giving you portable PC gaming on the go. Mm-hmm. Of course, for a little bit more cost. This is kind of where it comes back into kind of our are scaling on cost for like what you would pay for being able to do portable PC gaming. It gives you that full keyboard, even if you have to use your thumbs to type out or maybe your, your index fingers to actually type out. Um, But it does give you a full computer experience. Now that doesn't mean that these other devices don't. The steam deck has already been shown off in a docked mode where it's, currently running Arch Linux. Mm -hmm. It's using Arch Linux that has been modified, of course, by Valve. uh, That includes then their Proton engine that allows for running Windows games uh, on Linux. But in that docked mode, you get a desktop. It's a a Linux desktop, desktop, excuse me. But that's something that you can interact with. You do get the same on the screen itself, like you could get out to that desktop and mess around with it on the screen itself. Mm on the Steam Deck without it being in docked mode, but it's such a small thing to even work with, though, too, that having that ability to go docked mode and put that up there is a neat thing, but then that means more stuff to potentially carry with you to be able to also have that experience. So then you start to kind of enter these weird trade-off things, though, about kind of how you want to approach it, especially like with, again, the overall focus of this topic being gaming on the go is you want the best bang for your buck without the most sacrifice. Right. And... I think the Steam Deck kind of hits that, but, you know, the GPD win kind of takes it to that next level by having a keyboard built in so you don't have to lug around a keyboard and mouse. You don't have to lug around that dock to be able to expand out the USB Type-C port Mm -hmm. to get more more of the stuff you need. It is really all kind of tied in into a nice fit uh, and finish that... To be perfectly honest, I would. Uh, to be perfectly honest, that's something I would love to have. I'd love a small laptop in that but regard, at least. But it's also the difference between your consumer level and your enthusiast level. Exactly, that's one hundred percent correct. So, would you consider the Steam Deck the consumer level, or would you consider it the enthusiast level? I would actually consider it the consumer level. Because and you'd consider the GPD win the enthusiast. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, when you okay when you, when you look at them, because the GPD does offer those uh, upgrade paths, it does come uh, with Windows pre-installed. You know, um, it it it's more for the tinkerer. It it is more for your computer enthusiast that that like the person that built their own computer 
um, like you or, you know, like mm-hmm. me. But at the same time, you know, I think when I say consumer level, this this is really Valve reaching out and saying, hey, we we want to reach out to more gamers. We want to put PC gaming in more people's hands because, like you were saying, this isn't necessarily just the handheld. It can go docked mode, where yeah, the 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 GPD can do that, and and I feel like that might be a little easier almost with the GPD because it's just plug it into a cable, boom, plug it into a monitor, you're good to go. You know, yeah. But you, I, it's just you know how how do you want to do it? You know, no, exactly. And I think you've actually I, I, you really hit the nail on the head there to kind of encompass all of it there. And and I agree with you about the Steam Deck's target market on that mm-hmm. one is that as us as gamers, we will most likely be those who would actually go and buy something like the Steam Deck. But for us who also reside and work in the tech industry, or maybe we're the ones who go and do the tech support for the family, so you got to drive up to your grandparents' house to figure out something, having that smaller laptop that has all of your stuff on it like that makes sense to be able to kind of help troubleshoot and figure out what's going on instead of using their slow computer. You've got that with you. The Steam Deck, on the other hand, fills that niche for the PC gaming part of it, like the GPD Win does, but doesn't go as far as to force all of the other PC parts on you unless you want to go that way. Right. Which, being able to dock the Steam Deck in does net you that desktop view. Hell, I would think for it, and I think this is one thing that maybe you and I talked about previously, back when the Steam Deck was first announced. I may have talked about this with somebody at work is first and foremost being able to actually plug in and dock if you if you truly want to mm-hmm. just like with the switch you don't have to do it you do kind of gain a little bit of a benefit by doing so but with the steam deck itself in early testing and some of the videos i've seen it's not all the way there at least in regards to performance it's basically one for one almost um it doesn't like any benefit being docked is what i'm trying to say uh but you still get that ability to do it. However, one of these things that some of these other places haven't capitalized on is this expansion into other gaming markets itself. Mm-hmm. And it's not only you being able to play PC games on it, stuff from Steam, but by putting on a USB Type-C dock and making sure, of course, you got enough power going to it, you not only have yourself a portable, you know, you have yourself a laptop without being a laptop you almost have here a potential for a breakthrough into the VR market. Oh, yeah, yeah. If the graphics are capable of being able to output, even at the minimum recommended specs for being able to do VR, imagine this thing being fully charged. You put it in a, in your backpack or something around you that has some venting on it, you know, for the cooling mm-hmm. system in there, and you hook the VR into it, you may actually have yourself one of those net bonuses of being able to experience VR in a more kind of almost maybe upscaled fashion compared to use something like compared to something like the quest where you're limited to kind of what's on just the headset itself, which does well, but maybe doesn't have enough power. I don't want to branch off too much on the VR part yet. It was just something that was coming to mind though, but circling around to what you were saying anyway, is that you are right. Is that to summarize exactly what you're saying there is that you are right. The steam deck is more towards the consumer side. The GPD win is in that, is in that kind of gray area where it's consumer meets enthusiast. Mm -hmm. And that for Valve to really say, hey, here's a way for you to play your PC games without spending a boatload of money, this is one of those things, like you said, it does target the consumer, the standard consumer, much better. Oh, yeah. And beyond that, you you also got to look at, like, things like the GPD. They go through these Indiegogos. They go through, you know crowdfunding in order to 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 -hmm. get made and the reason they have to make one every year and a half every year is because you know even after those ones get launched out and the people that crowdfunded get them they're like well you know you could have made this improvement you could have put this on the keyboard you know you could have changed it to this type of keyboard or you could have put this screen in it you could have you could have done this to the ram you you know you could have done this to the cooling solution and they they right. have taken those um 
into account and and actually made changes to each one of their units in in significant factors so uh, i mean it is one thing to think about you know they're doing it through indiegogo so it's not like they have the the huge backing that steam has for the r&d as well so that's another Mm -hmm. thing that i'm looking at is i i'm yeah, I am the enthusiast, but I don't also I also don't want to buy a product that I might be dissatisfied with a particular feature whereas, you know, if I if I buy the Steam Deck, I'm spending half the cost and I'm getting something I know exactly what I'm getting, you know, right out of the box. True. Exactly. Just like a console, you want to know exactly like you know that when you unbox that console, and plug it in and start playing games on it, you know exactly what you're getting out of it. That's that's a very excellent point. And that kind of brings us into the next part about the competition on this one especially is, um, you know, I made mention about the potential for this thing to be able to support maybe hooking in a VR headset to it at some point in time. You know, of course, this thing hasn't isn't out there yet. Um, you know, I haven't seen anybody try anything with the GPD wins yet, but that would be an interesting take to see just kind of, you know, it's like, hey, is this really possible? Can it run Half-Life, um, Alex? Oh, yeah, especially. Even at minimum settings, it's like if that's yeah. something you could do, you know, minimum specs, that would, that be, would be something you need to be able to have. Exactly. Um, but looking at the competition on what's actually out there, mm-hmm. and I am kind of looking here at what the potential could be with kind of focusing again and on the steam deck is hoping that you know its feature will be able to branch out here and this is that cloud save uh carryover potential where they are targeting with their software with the steam os that if you were playing a game on pc like uh let's just say a single player campaign on something i'm gonna bring skyrim back Mm -hmm. up because for some reason that game is getting another game release this november for whatever reason it's got fishing with skyrim it's got fishing. Oh. Right. It's got bee it's got bees that completely knock over your cart and screw oh, up your Jesus. game at the very beginning. <laughs> right. But anyway, yeah. Um, so using Skyrim as an example, let's say you're playing in that game itself on your PC, but you know you have an appointment to get to, like in a half hour or whatever. You can stop playing that game on PC as long as your cloud saves are enabled. You stop playing that on your PC. You're on your way to your destination. Like, let's say you're in one of the bigger metro cities and you use the public transport, you know, the the metro line, the bus, whatever. Um, you can pull that out, and if you have an internet connection, you can hop in, grab that cloud save, and pick right up from where you were. Like, And they're talking about this being near instant, that as soon as that cloud save is there, it gets onto your Steam Deck and vice versa. So you can pick up right where you left off in that game with very little hesitation. And it's one of those things that kind of mirrors... Uh, Microsoft's quick resume feature on the Xbox Series S and X, where as soon as you go into like the different games, you can, you know, just go back to the other one and get back into it really quick instead of having to go through like the startup and loading screens and such. Yeah. Um, but this is, of course, is kind of between uh, devices using their cloud safe feature and making it work in the same fashion as quick resume does. So that's one of those things that they offer in the competition sense versus what other devices at least have out there right now and i can't really speak to anybody else doing anything like this except probably for microsoft not necessarily on the quick resume part but on the cloud safe part where well, if i'm playing it, well if i'm playing based a game on games though too because hades did this with uh pc and switch but I, I that's like one of the very first games that i can think of that's done it to another console but i sorry to interrupt go ahead no, you're cool. You're cool. You're you're right. You're right. I think Hades was that's one of those ones that pops in my head too is actually one of them as well. But what I'm talking about though is that it's like Microsoft's been doing it kind of with their cloud safe stuff as well, especially oh, yeah. as they've branched out to really putting more emphasis on Xbox on the PC itself, especially with Game Pass. Um but you look at like between Xbox to Xbox where my Xbox One that hasn't been played very often by me has been played on a lot by my kids. And, of course, they're playing things like Farming Simulator 19. They're playing Minecraft. I go and install those on my Series X, and those saves are right there. Yeah. But, you know, but, that, of course, that's in, ecosy- that's in the ecosystem itself anyway. Uh, on the PC side of things, I think I've also seen that as well, too, on the Game Pass front. But don't don't quote me on that. Um, I actually but, have. Because... You know, uh... 
Well, there you go. Uh, I, I, it was actually with a game that I bought. So Yakuza Like a Dragon, I bought on release. Um, I not super far in the game, so I'm, I'm still, you know, got plenty oh, of time yeah. to enjoy this game. But it, it no, got added no, to you're right. Game Pass, and you, you started playing it. So I was like, you know, maybe I'll see. I maybe I'll. No, see. you're right, because. No, you're right because I did because I was playing and this is this will actually roll into probably a, another segment here in a minute on this though is yeah you're right is that I was playing like a dragon on my Series X, mm-hmm. but then when I went to Game Pass on mobile, by default my cloud save was there and I just picked right up where I left off. I didn't have to restart for the beginning. I didn't have to force a cloud save to be able to bring it over. I didn't have to do any other magic. It was just there. Even crazier than that though is with my. With my purchased game, and this is something that I have to, you know, put out there because I've had issues with this on PlayStation. So I don't know if it works on PlayStation even still because of the issues that I've had oh, in the past okay. uh, with games that I've, you know, purchased v- versus, you know, games that I got for free or games that I got download codes for. And my saves from the disc version were. were wouldn't work at all with a, a downloaded version of the game. But my my disc version that I bought, the save from that worked when I downloaded it on PC with the, the Game Pass. And then later on, just because I, for, for shits and giggles, I hopped on Game Pass on my phone, and sure enough, it was there. Okay. Wow. So, I mean, and that, that's... I mean, at least... Uh, the game, like I said, like I purchased it, and mm-hmm. I still could play it on the free versions that are available because of the the membership that I have. Right, and that's where it kind of leads into what Steam is doing as well, though. Too is that it's like they are they are putting their own spin on that exact sort of cloud save feature, but also giving it another step up, especially with all these different games out there. Obviously, of course, a multiplayer game, there really shouldn't be any cloud save stuff. I mean, if you've got like equipment unlocked, armor and stuff, like I think of things like Apex Legends, Counter-Strike and that, you know, mm-hmm. that stuff should obviously carry over. There's no need for a cloud save there, at least on that front, because there's a lot of it just tied to your profile in general. Well, I mean, uh, except for like purchases you've made. Those those ones are kind of nice. And it, like in the past, they used to not transfer. Like especially on 360 and, like, PC mm-hmm. or something, if it was a game that launched on both, and even if you had to connect to, like, EA's servers or whatever, it did not register those purchases between the two. So, but now it does. Okay. Interesting. Uh, well, maybe not on EA, but on some games. On I guess if they have cross-play, sometimes it does. So Okay. Well, even going back on the PC gaming front, though, is that at least, you know... With Steam being able to offer something like this, it doesn't feel like those who are in the mood, you know, to deal with like a long wait to be able to load up something or a, you know, any sort of delay really into being able to get into the game that they want to keep playing, you know, that they're at least putting out something there that allows for that to be able to be picked back up and just go with it as soon as you're able to. Now, the same goes, of course, though, that. I would like to see Valve actually open this up that if you install Steam on a GPD Win or any of these other portable PC handheld gaming devices, that this feature carries over with it too because that's actually a unique proposition for gamers and also opens up the ecosystem a little bit more. You know, if they decide to keep it as a Steam Deck exclusive thing, Okay, cool. That's them. That's their niche. That's their feature that's going to help bring people in. But it would be nice to see them, especially as they standardize Proton and that too, and that's kind of made available everywhere, to actually see them kind of open that one up potentially as well. Um, Because then not only does it kind of bring out potentially more of the competition anyway, though, too, you know, then you get more people on Steam. Oh, yeah. You know, even with that. Now, this is where... Things get interesting in the world of PC gaming, though, too. And it's not just the competition from consoles. It's not the competition from mobile. And it's not necessarily the competition even from PC alone. Mm -hmm. It is the competition against cloud services. And 
we, uh, you know, we briefly touched on it there just a little bit right. about Game Pass, of course, being able, like Yakuza Like a Dragon, playing it on the Series X and playing it on um, Xbox Game Pass on my phone mm. using the exact same save. That's another thing there that we're getting into this world now, especially with mobile gaming, that it's not just about downloading PUBG Mobile or Call of Duty Mobile or the upcoming Diablo game, you know, Diablo Immortal or Candy Crush, you know, we'll just throw that out there. Angry Birds, all these classic games that people would be putting on their mobile stuff just because they were able to pass the time. Cloud services are now opening it up. So that way, if you subscribe to this service, you are now able to use this feature that lets you play these AAA titles on the go, even if your phone's not able to support playing the game itself because your phone doesn't hold on to the game. Your phone just opens up an internet connection and you get the video and audio passed to you while you send the controls back over the internet. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's where some of this next competition is coming in, especially for the Steam Deck, because it's easy enough for us paying 15 bucks a month for Xbox Game Pass Ultimate to have game streaming and to be playing a AAA title on our phones right now with our controllers and have potentially no issue. Potentially. I'm saying that, of course, potentially, given, of course, you know, coverage in our town, especially. Right. Um, but also part of it, too, is that Steam is also a competitor in this area because of Steam Link. Which, if I'm right, and you might have to correct me on this if you know, Kyle, I think it's... I don't know if Steam Steam Link has actually made it where you can actually play the games off of your PC outside of your network. I know, of course, that the old Steam Link uh, As far as I know, it's within device. your network because yeah. it, it actually okay. is still running on your computer. I've I've gotten it to work once while I was in my house. I haven't actually tried it outside my house. But, yeah, no, it it's technically, I think, if you're on the same network as your computer. But your computer is still running it. It's kind of like playing it remotely from your PS4. But I believe if you're doing it remotely on PS4 um, to, like, Vita, you, you can mm -hmm. actually do it at a different location. But the latency sucks. Okay. That was one thing I couldn't remember is that, you know... I know, like, I, I actually own, like, somewhere here in a box somewhere is my Steam Link. Like, my actual physical Steam Link device. Oh, wow. And my Steam controller is probably somewhere near it, too. Okay, yes, I have those. But, you know, they are, a comp like, a competitor to themselves because of that as well. Mm -hmm. Now, I wouldn't be surprised to see something with the Steam Deck in the future or some other sort of, um, you know, some other expanded features with Steam Link itself that you know, there's more native support for it, which there probably already is. And I'm probably forgetting something on that one. But that they increase the availability and throughput of it so that way you can take your Steam Deck with you, but play the games by running them through your PC at home and playing them on your Steam Deck so that we kind of got things hand in hand. So let's say you lose the connection to your, your PC. Mm -hmm. Then the Steam Deck can potentially load up that game albeit at maybe a lower quality, you know, and then you just carry on from there. But if you want maybe like a higher quality experience, something that maybe the Steam Link or the Steam Deck can't do, then you can go ahead and, you know, offload on streaming part as well. I, I'm kind of talking like far-fetched potential things here because we're talking about PC on the go. And there's so many things that could happen that haven't even been discussed in the first place. You know, there, there's ideas for things that haven't even been tried out. But you know, I'm just kind of looking here at the way the competition is and the way the market's going is that, you know, in one form, Steam is a – like Valve is competing against itself because of its Steam Link product. At the same time, Game Pass is another big competition where people only need to take a controller with them, Bluetooth it to their phone, and just be able to start playing games. PlayStation Now is still kind of an enigma that's just really, you know – kind of there kind of not it doesn't really have as big of a marketing push mm -hmm. but then of course go back to the switch you got the switch with you you know it's it's kind of interesting to see where this might fit at and whether or not valve can really keep things moving here even all these other manufacturers to make a dent 
potentially in that and bring in more PC players. I mean, what do you think about that? I don't know. Like, I, the, I, I, I feel like there, there's something that I, I, I've wanted to to talk about here for a minute because, like, when you said, you know, take it out on the go and stuff. I feel like they're they're going to generate a lot of new revenue for from players just new Steam players, but they're they're going to have two different types of players. They're going to have the players that don't have a PC that they're buying it because they can take not only just take a PC out on the go, but then they can come home, dock it and still play that game just like they can a Switch. They're going to treat it exactly like a Switch, but with the the PC features. But then you're also yep. going to have the crowd that's going to be like me, that I'm probably hardly ever going to dock the thing. Uh, when I dock the thing, it'll probably be to play Sonic or uh, I've got a, a, a few like classic uh, video game collections that I've I've downloaded off of Steam, like the Sega um, Mega collection or whatever that had like 50 games from Sega and like old Atari games. That's when I'll dock my system. But other than that, I'm probably going to be playing on a PC most of the time, and I'm just going to be using it to go. Okay. Yeah. So when you grab your keys, your wallet, your mask, and the case you're with gonna, my, your phone, my, you're going to grab your yeah my Steam Deck case. Your Steam Deck that, yeah. that's got my Steam Deck in it. Um, yeah. Be, because I mean, I do that quite often actually with my with my Switch or my Switch Lite. And actually, I find myself doing it with my Switch more than I do my Switch Lite, ironically, just because of mm-hmm. the hassle with the saves. Because it, they, they have fail saves that it has to go. Oh, you know, you've you've played on a different device with a, a newer save. Do you want to transfer that? No. Oh, I'm going to throw up warnings over and over. You know, I I feel like that. That's also another reason that I'll, I'll like the steam deck um and it, mm-hmm. it actually prevents me pl- from playing my light you know with too many games because i don't want to have to turn on and off the feature and you know worry about trying to transfer the file or making sure i'm i'm playing on the correct save and not confusing the two right. consoles it, it it gets silly at some point it does so oh it does yeah you're absolutely right on that one i think you know i think that's what you're going to be seeing there and that you know, especially in the competition front, I think this is going to be one of those entry points, like you were even saying, for those who want a PC but don't want to make the investment that we have to be able to build a computer, especially right now, given the current, you know, uh, global chip shortage, the markup on um, on GPUs. You know, this is one of those things where it's like it's right out of the box. Mm-hmm. You log in and do your stuff, and then you're exactly right. You have it in the two modes, and you can just go. And especially I, I if you're be willing to bet that they they try and do something where you could tether it to your phone, not not to download or update games, but to just retrieve a save file. Well, I mean, in reality, you think about it, you, you know, just turn on Mobile Hotspot and go. I, well, I mean, just like you wouldn't even have to think about turning on Mobile Hotspot. Like, it would just recognize it almost like a Bluetooth device. Like you. That's down- about what I was to say, yeah. like doing a bridge Bluetooth connection exactly. between the two. Okay, I can, yeah. just for those I can see that maybe as, yeah, I can see that maybe as one thing. Uh, but I do see this, though, especially like for families where, you know, it's like maybe getting something like this is not necessarily, you know, in the car getting a gaming PC is not in the cards, but there is something available like this and it gives at least a good starting point. Mm -hmm. You know, like if you do have a kid, of course, you know, and you want to be able to do something like this for them, but you don't want to fork out 15 to $1,600 for a full fledged gaming PC. You can do something like the GPD win or the steam deck or any of these other options out there that are available, dock them and hook them up to a full size keyboard mouse computer monitor, Ethernet connection. You know, you can give them all of that. They can access a printer and print off their stuff for school. They can do all their different things. They can, you know, and then at the end of it, they can load up Discord, they can load up a game, and they can play stuff with their friends. It may not be at the top settings, but but sure enough, they can they can at least have an experience without having to drop all of that money, you know? And then, it, again, 
coming back to being on the family part is that it's the utility of the thing is that it's also it's a it's a gaming pc it's a portable and it is a, it's a pc you know it, it's everything in one like that compared to a video game console like the switch the series x and s and the playstation 5 where they are standalone gaming and entertainment machines well that's I, it you know what the best part about uh pc gaming is too especially mm. with like steam gaming i i've had my steam account for 17 years I can still play games that I bought 17 years ago. I don't have to go out and buy another console. It's all based off of just the PC. You know, as long as I mm-hmm. have the PC, then I, I can play the game in my library. I don't I don't have to worry about tracking down a classic console and just to play one game. Fair enough. And, yeah. and that's that and- that license is mine. You know, right? And my Steam account only goes as far back as I think like 2009, with like the first game I purchased. Yes, and I did purchase this was Team Fortress Two. Oh yeah, no, so did I. Yeah, yeah. Before the you know before it went free to play itself, but yeah, exactly. Is that all? Those games are still there. They still work regardless of the number mm-hmm. of interface and UI changes. The way that monetization is done on Steam, it's all still there and available for us to play. Which is great. Then, and with that said, even especially is that after the Steam Deck was announced and how it was running on there, um, it was talked about. Of course, it's and we've mentioned this already earlier. Was its underlying um, uh, software Proton, which is uh, Wine, um, which is yeah, it's Wine, but has been modified, of course, for more focused uh, and more targeted towards gaming. Um, than anything else. And there's that, um, there's the Proton database out there. I can't remember the actual full name of the website, but they were tracking around 15 to 30,000, I think, uh, games mm-hmm. that worked right out, like what they called right out of the box, even though Steam is all digital download. They were all games that worked right out of the box on Proton that allowed people to just grab the game that they had and just go and start playing it, you know, on Linux. And that means that when this launches, they don't have to make games for it. They don't have to do yeah, anything to fine tune something. A massive library. Yeah, you hop in, and there's even free to play stuff that you can get that's supported in there. Tons mm-hmm. of free to play stuff. Some of it uh, that is free to play may not work. Your mileage may vary, but there is still quite a bit out there that does. And that's one of those things compared to some of these other devices. Compared to, um, like, we'll use the go back to the Switch as an example. You can't go take. Now that this is the handheld de facto, now that the DS and 3DS lines have been completely discontinued, you can't go take a DS or 3DS game and slot it into the Switch. No. You have to go wait until that game gets remade for the Switch and then go buy it again. With the Steam Deck, like you said, you've had your account going for 17 years. All those games you bought in the 17 years are now accessible to you when you get that. Yep. I can can still log in and play my original copy of Half-Life, play my original copy of Blue Shift, that worked on a Windows 98 computer, you know, or whatever, when, you know, Windows 2000 computer. So, yep. Yep. Well, let's wrap it up here with this, Kyle, is about the future on the mobile PC gaming segment itself. Mm-hmm. The Steam Deck is not out yet. It's not expected to be out until sometime this next year. They are currently in their $5 reservation phase to figure out the exact amount of people who would pay for something like this. Uh, the GPD wins, of course, are out. The new GPD win, what is it? Win Max, I think is what it's called. Yeah, the Win Max is currently is the in the newest one coming out. Yeah, that's the one in Indiegogo right now for just under a grand mm-hmm. and has some more oomph to it, of course. Um, but kind of seeing at least what the market looks like right now, um, even the prototype of of uh, Dell's Alienware UFO, you know, do you do you see this being kind of the next step up for the PC market, given the current cost on PC components? Uh, do you see more of the purchases of these being done by those who already own a gaming PC and are just looking kind of for the next thing to help improve their experience? Do you see this more as um, first timers who are getting this because it's in one way or another, a nice mix of things to be able to get them going instead of being some sort of standalone one size fits all type device. Um, where do you see things going here, you know, from this point on? 
so I I feel like um the Steam Deck is truly the first strong foothold into the PC handheld gaming market. It is going to be the most affordable out the gate um and the most accessible out the gate. Uh they don't they're not going to have like weird shortage issues the way it seems because the way they're staggering their their releases and they're they're doing their pre-orders. So I I feel like once they get through their pre-orders, yeah, it might be a little bit more difficult to get, but it's it's not going to be a thing where it's going to be a cash grab, you know, just they're going to announce it and then they're going to be gone. They're going to announce it and they're going to be gone because they're going to be taking names down. They're going to be, you know, basically making people wait in line. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like this is a great entry into the market, especially for families that maybe can't necessarily afford a computer or don't want a computer that would have all the access to stuff that um, they don't want their kids to have access to. I, this is going to be able, I, I believe, to be locked down a little bit more than you know your average consumer computer a little bit easier you think about how consoles have parental control features this is probably going to have that too it's basically when it's in game mode it's going to be steam big picture mode exactly so it's going to have probably some parental control features that you can turn on and off and it's going to be pc gaming without the uh extra danger of the internet for children i guess so what you put on a steam account is what they're going to have access to you know Mm. Uh, and i think that that potentially a lot of parents are going to see that and they're going to go dang maybe this is the way to go because you know they they have some pc games already they can still play those they already have a steam account they can just play that the the computer doesn't work anymore or it's it's too old or you know sally spent spilt juice on the the keyboard and now the whole thing's fried you know it, there there's there's a whole bunch of reasons to get this because of the price point because of what it can do um i i feel like yeah this is this is going to be an ongoing thing, a building market, but I also think it's also going to narrow out and weed out some of the competition that, that isn't so, uh, I, I don't know. It isn't as good as, as what you see with the, uh, GPD, the, uh, the steam deck that, what was it? The AI or whatever. The AI, I think, is what it's called. Yeah. Let me see here. I, yeah, the AI Neo, the One X Player. Yeah, all of that type of stuff will probably end up being I, I the feel like that we're going to see that market. Out. Yeah, get filtered out, narrowed down. There might be two or three left, and you know, you mm-hmm. might still have one that pops up that they're going to be like, "We're the big chungus." You know, th- this this is the enthusiast gaming handheld experience that you can upgrade just like a regular computer and you can sink two grand into just like a regular laptop or whatever um but i don't know that no that'll that'll be a couple years down the line but this is this is the strongest first foothold in the market for sure right and i'll i'll echo a lot of those sentiments there too is that PC gaming itself is not hard to get into. I mean, I think our intro summed that up pretty well, is that to build a PC and to get yourself set up in the PC world and PC gaming world is not as hard as it used to be back like when we were kids. You know, the documentation is much better. The support is out there that's much better to be able to actually get yourself moving and build yourself a rather decent computer. The problem right now is the cost which is the current barrier to actually get into something like that. But you still have all of these, all of these people who want to be able to experience the latest and greatest, but want to do so without, you know, it costing an arm and a leg, but they want to do it PC. They don't want to be locked into a console. They want to be able to have that PC experience. The steam deck and the GPD win offer that sort of option where they'll be able to play uh, PC titles 
They will be able to have a full-fledged computer, but they will have something that doesn't take up as much space as a gaming PC. It won't be locked down like a game console and will offer them that freedom of being able to do what they choose with it, um, you know, at least to a certain point. Upgradability, of course, is always going to be a problem point with anything like this. We're not going to necessarily have anything that's going to be revolutionary in the sense of expandability, especially it's something in this form factor. It's mm-hmm. going to have to be a few years out in different hardware refreshes and changes to say, we can make a GPU this size that's easy for you guys to swap out gives you this level of power and doesn't burn your hands while you're holding the console. You know, that's going to be one of those things, but where you're talking about, you know, moving in onto like the, the consumer side is that yes, this does look like one of those options for a family where you want to be able to offer your kids something or be able to get yourself something without paying that extra money. And you don't want something to take up all that space, especially right now. We're in the midst of back to school. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we got the college stuff going on right now where we've got the the college students moving back into the dorms. Uh, you know, they're moving into their own apartments to get ready to go back to school and that. But maybe because of the roommate situation and such, or especially being in the dorms with that small amount of space, lugging around a massive computer is not going to be an option. And even if they have that big computer, they have something small like this. I hate to say this, you know, it's like as much as I wouldn't want to get stolen, like get anything stolen, I would much rather have something like a Steam Deck stolen from me than I would my big gaming rig. Oh, yeah. You know, and so it becomes one of those things that, you know, there is always a cost associated with it anyway, but it's something that you could take to college, you can take with you, Mm -hmm. set up, have that experience, enjoy it, take it with you so you can play on something in between classes, but at the end of it all, it's not as expensive as something else relate, you know, something else is like your your massive gaming PC. And you kind of save yourself some of that headache. You get the frustration, but again. Uh but I do like the idea, of course, on the kid part though, that you know, if you want to set up your kid with something anyway there and you don't want to go all crazy building them a rig, then this might be one of those ways to get them in there. And at the end of the day, what we end up seeing is a surge in PC players who, regardless if they're buying games or not, are at least adding on to the ecosystem and are joining in with the rest of us as they, uh, of course, take their uh, PC gaming on the go. Mm-hmm. What an advent. So that's, yeah. So that's that. That is our episode for this week. Thank you so much, everybody, of course, for tuning in to this week's NPCs Discuss. Of course, if you are in the industry and you have some experience that you'd like to share with us on a future episode, please drop us a line at the npcs.business at gmail.com or hit us up on social media on Facebook and Twitter at the NPCs Podcast and let us know, and we will definitely reach out to you for a future episode. Of course, with this podcast and all other podcasts, we are featured on our homepage and our home platform, Anchor.fm. You can check that out at anchor.fm slash the-npcs-podcast. Not only are all of our NPCs discussed episodes on there, but all of our past What Do You Play-ins, our past topic episodes, and a couple other little surprises here and there as well, too. So please make sure to go and subscribe to that on your favorite podcast platform of choice. Again, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning into this week's episode. We shall catch you all next week. Later's.